Hello there, Adam. You know what I'm stoked about right now? <laughs> what your new accent coach has been teaching you? <laughs> it's very expensive. <laughs> Our podcast, Thank the Maker, has teamed up with Roosevelt. They're the company that makes all those rad Star Wars button downs that I've been wearing a lot lately, for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah, dude, I love their stuff. I'm stoked. I'm also stoked, though, that they're helping us throw our Star Wars-themed punk and emo night, the ultimate Star Wars party, Mosh Eisley. That's going to be so much fun. If you want to order anything from Roosevelt's, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off of your first order. Not to be confused with the tyrannical dark side organization, (laughs) just to be clear. Yeah, no, that's a different first order. To repeat, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first order. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there, and welcome to Think the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I am named Adam Russell. Adam, this is Nick. I'm so excited for Star Wars and Andor. How's it going? Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm going to hop around like a bunny because this is an episode filled of Easter eggs. I'm Mike. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, hey. No peeps, though, because those things are nasty. Mm. Only Easter eggs full of jelly beans. They're very gross. I know someone who liked peeps. They're very gross. Let's just say I'm no longer dating them. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Bye-bye. It's a deal breaker. (laughs) All right, we have a ton of stuff to talk about today. We're covering Andor, of course. Any thoughts before we do Stolen Plans? I just want to get right into it. There's, There's so much stuff. My thoughts are exactly probably what I said last week. This show is very cool. Like... Fonzie with a leather jacket, two thumbs up. Hey, cool. <laughs> Danny Zuko, leather jacket, cool. Uh, for the kids out there, Fonzie was a really cool guy from an old show <laughs> on television. You know, like the old thing. Gen Zers are yeah. very confused right now. Of course. My overall thoughts before we get into the meat and potatoes of this is that this show is turning into the wire for me, where I find myself rooting for all sides. And I don't know why that is, but I have a feeling. I'm going to know why that is. All sides. Where were you on January 6th? Yeah. What the hell? Well, you know, I've said this on Armor Party. The bad guys have way cooler costumes. (laughs) I stand by this statement. Uh, So by default, I do have to have... I have some skin in the game. I'm not going to lie. So, uh, But regardless, yeah, I I just love the show. Same. It's tonally so different like we've talked about, but it's just still so Star Wars. It's like... There's a debate to be had that we've had amongst ourselves that we won't get into here, but there are moments that feel like exactly what I, as like a younger, angsty, like mid-20s Star Wars fan, was like, man, I wanted to look and sound like this. Mm. Yeah. And it's just right here in front of our faces happening. Everything about the, the dialogue, the pace of the dialogue, the things that they do and don't say to each other, the writing, the, the screenplays are for grownups. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's not a single softball line in the whole thing. 
mm-hmm. it's more sophisticated in in that sense, and it yeah. it's not holding anyone's hand mm-hmm. on the viewer side. That's why it's shocking to me when I mean I guess I shouldn't be shocked about anything, but anyone who says it's like slow or boring or whatever, I'm like there is not like a wasted word or sentence or anything in the show so far. It's riveting. It's like legitimately riveting. Yeah, it's good, <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool like Fonzie. Yeah, Did I say that yet. Yeah, the Fonz. You guys know him. All you kids know him, right? All right, let's get into it. What have you done with those plans? Andor, episode four, Aldani. We have episode names now, by the way. Mm, Last week, we just had episode one, two, three, and now they're called something that I didn't write down. But this one's called Aldani. I think uh, episode three was called Reckoning. Don't remember the other two. The second one was called That Would Be Me, I want to say. Something like that. Yeah. We're doing these day of, of course. So this debuted today, September 28th, 2022 on Disney Plus, written by Dan Gilroy and Tony Gilroy. Dan is Tony's brother. He's done quite a bit. His IMDb page is like Sliders Johnson. There's no Ryan Key here to get my Top Gun joke. Mm. All right. Um, <laughs> nice. Directed Sorry, by man. Susanna White, who did a TV miniseries called Generation Kill, The Deuce, which was a movie with uh, Maggie Hall and James Franco an episode of Boardwalk Empire, and Nanny McPhee Returns. <laughs> oh. Whole different vibe. She got a bunch of other stuff, too. A, t- a ton of TV. She's great. Nanny McPhee Returns sounds like it went straight to DVD. It may have. <laughs> <laughs> this stars, of course, Diego Luna and Stellan Skarsgård. They're kind of the main characters that are carried over from the first three episodes. Genevieve O'Reilly makes her first appearance as Senator Mon Mothma, reprising her role, of course, from Rogue One. Faye Marseille as Vel Sartha, one of the members of the, or the leader of the rebel cell. She's done lots of TV. She was the waif in Game of Thrones. And tell me about this, guys. Yep. Yes. What is a waif? Mike. Oh. I know, but maybe you want to let everyone know. Is this some dragon crap? No, no, no. The, the waif was basically like a, a servant of this house uh, that was called the, the Faceless Man, right? It's the mm-hmm. house of faces that, that allowed... Um, what would you call them, Nick? Like a their own cult, their own like they were kind of this in between. They served what was called the Many Face God, and she was part of the one that trained Arya Stark when she lost her vision. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I have no idea. So, anyways, the girl has a girl has many faces, like many faces, like from He Man. Sure, pretty similar. Same thing, same diff. Okay, Verata Sethu, I want to say is how you pronounce her name, as Sinta Kaz, one of the. Uh, Another member of the of the Rebel Cell. She's done a lots of she's done a lot of TV as well. She was in Jurassic Park Dominion. Evan Moss backrack as Arvel Skeen. He was in The Bear, Netflix's The Punisher, as Microchip and HBO's Girls. He was in as well. Yeah, most recently The Bear, which was for sure where a lot of people will will notice him from. He was cousin, cousin, cousin. And then on the Imperial side, because there's a big council or um, well, the Imperial Security Bureau. We there's a whole room full of assholes, starting with Anton Lesser as Major Partigas, Denisco as Deidre Miro, and a handful of others. Those are kind of the more focused on, I would say. What was, uh, what's the one dude's the name? Main, Blevin, the main right? Guy. Blevin, I want to say, is the dude who is going against Deidre. Yeah, they were butting heads about mm-hmm. how to address the issue and whether or not to pursue the thing with whether or not it was their jurisdiction to yeah. to go get the um, the star map unit thing. Yeah. 49 minute runtime on this one. These runtimes we've been saying actually 
that's how they're listed on Disney Plus, which includes like a good seven minutes, if not more, of credits. So yeah, I think this was legitimately two minutes of previously on, forty minutes of show, seven minutes of credit. Yeah. First impressions. One of the first things that that got me just like, oh god, here we are, here we go, here we go. Yep. Was Coruscant. Yep. I audibly and physically cheered during <laughs> yes. that. Just seeing the name, like how silly is being a Star Wars fan? Yeah. I cheered for a planet. It's the first appearance in live action since Revenge of the Sith, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so cool. That that just like, like why do we get emotional? Yeah, right? Yeah. Why? I don't know why. <laughs> but that overhead shot looked like, like New York or something. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So cool. But you can see, you know, if you look closely, the the lower levels below. It's like mm-hmm. the top is like Manhattan, but down yep. there in the depths is where all, all the good stuff goes on. Mm-hmm. Yep. So many Easter eggs overall in this episode. It's unreal. I mean, just in Luthen's gallery alone, yeah. like a whole episode worth. It's crazy. So he has a den of antiquities, a literal yeah. den of antiquities. <laughs> yeah. The Imperial facilities on Coruscant looked the way that I think, I feel like George probably would have wanted them to look mm. if we ever yeah. would have gone back because they, they were super leveled up from something like the Death Star that's just, you know, it's a military base or whatever. Mm-hmm. It shows the opulence and excess of being an empire with all the money in the galaxy who can do whatever they want. Even just that ISB office, it had that kind of geometric wall pattern mm-hmm. and that chandelier above it and all that kind of stuff. They're really kind of establishing the presence with like a political angle versus the presence from the military angle that we've felt in all of Star Wars up to this point. Mm-hmm. It's like they show up with a giant gun, they show up with a giant battle station with a, a giant Imperial walker. Yeah. That's how... They're dramatic. Yeah. They're dramatic. That's their <laughs> dramatic entrance. Then mm-hmm. here now it's like uh, we show power in the form of wealth. I will say aesthetically, I prefer the Empire. I like what they're doing aesthetically. I like <laughs> Rebels as far as, you know, how I would do my day-to-day dealings, but aesthetically the Empire's killing it. Yeah, <laughs> being anywhere with the Rebels or on any Outer Rim planet, it's like, how do we get an Amazon subscription for hand sanitizer <laughs> yeah. and Clorox wipes? <laughs> All right, should we, um, we, we don't want to do like a full synopsis, but mm-hmm. we'll just kind of give you like the overview of the few storylines that are touched on in this one. So no flashbacks to start with. Yep. It kicks off with Luthan and Cassian escaping from Ferex. They're in the ship. Love Luthan's ship. It's so like, dope. It's like, yes, that's the Millennium Falcon, but no, it's not. And I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a pretty dramatic scene that has a great quote in it, which I think we're going to use later. Basically, he's trying to officially fully recruit Cassian there. And Cassian's like, I know who you are. And he says, well, who am I? And Cassian says, Alliance, Sep, as in Separatist, Guerrilla, Partisan Front. It's all the same to me. And Luthen says, so we agree. Mm. And that to me, at first time through, was just like, just an exchange. Like, I know who you are. You know who mm-hmm. I am, whatever. Talking shit to each other in a way. But it's such like a smart line because so we agree means, yeah, actually, we're all this rebel alliance. Yeah. So whether or not you know it, whether or not you're conscious of it, you know what this is and what you are and where you should be in the galaxy. Yeah. You know? And it just shows, too, that this is how the, you know, although it might not be called the Rebel Alliance yet, everything's working kind of independently for the same thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, we basically see the culmination of that in A New Hope or I guess at the end of Rogue One, really. And in Rebels. Yeah, so cool. And then 
one of the main things is the ISB, the Imperial Security Bureau, talking about security issues in various sectors, including the Ferrex incident, rebel uprisings, right? Before they're even willing to accept the fact or acknowledge that these are little cells of rebellion being sparked across the galaxy, they're, they're just talking about it in terms of like policing. So that's, that's a thread through the whole thing. And it, the, the, the back and forth between the two lieutenants that we mentioned earlier is planting the seeds for what is going to come at the end. I have theories. We all have theories, I'm sure. But it's, it, it's really setting the stage and it feels cool. I think the important observation when you see here for the ISB is really how cutthroat and smart you have to be and how on it you have to be. Because like we saw a guy get demoted in the two minutes they were talking, right? (laughs) And there was just like, there was such a savage, sharp wit of everyone needs to understand completely what they are saying when they present this information. It goes to show, I mean, I'm, I'm actually quite glad as someone who like has always tried to volley for the empire. This is finally a show that makes them not look like complete military slapstick buffoons. Right. Yeah. It shows that it's like there was organization. There were levels that would have had you, you know, because like usually we and imagine imagine rising the ranks of all this backstabbing going on, getting onto a ship and being like, I made it. Can you believe it? I made it. And then getting choked out by Darth Vader. Yeah. Hmm. What a fitting end. I mean this seeing it all at this level makes the buffoonery make sense because they have so much power and so much reach, so many troopers, so many bodies that they can be buffoons on the ground because ultimately they're just shuffling them around like disposable pawns. Well, and and another little detail too, um, when he's addressing the security bureau, right? It was almost like Mm -hmm. the security bureau was trying to look competent for the empire. They didn't want the empire to be in their jurisdiction. They wanted to prove that they were aligned with them, but they were capable of running themselves so that they would have their own power. Right. And Mm -hmm. that officer almost tells them, congratulations, the empire is now in your jurisdiction, which almost was like, Oh no, like the feds took over our case. If you're like the local sheriff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what was that line? Is like you, congratulations, Karn. You rang the bell on like the last days of like corporate independence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh yeah. wow, brutal, that was rough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one other thing too that I, I picked up on on the second watch is when they're on uh, Luthen's ship and Cassian starts talking about his time on Mimban and he just lies that he was there for two years. Yeah, and and Luthen is like, first of all, you were there for six months and you were a cook, you know, it's like, so he knows so much about him, but I really like that, like almost like knee jerk reaction of Cassian lying right away, really convincingly. Mm -hmm. It's like, he's still not, he, I I think it just like, there's little things in his show so far that show that he's capable of being a 'er ne'er-do-well. There's another good term to go with my Fonzie reference earlier. (laughs) And I would say probably the last overall piece of this show that I'm I'm thinking of, I'm kind of replaying it in my mind, is really the dynamic of the role that women are playing in this series. Mm-hmm. You you have this level of Mon Mothma needing to prove to Luthen that she's capable of not falling apart. And then on the other side, you have Deidre, who's needing to prove to a higher up man that she is capable of not falling apart and still moving on. I think that dynamic is interesting, of course, because in America, traditionally guys, when guys are straight shooters and they get things done, it's like, well, that guy's just a straight shooter. But 
when a woman does it, it's like, well, she's an asshole. She's a bitch. Yeah, right. And uh, you see that dynamic all the time when it comes to women in power. So I love that we're seeing the example of what women have to put up with on a daily level for almost every woman in this country. But at the same time, like the goal for one is to be like, I'm going to overthrow the power of the empire. And the other one's like, I'm going to get power so that I can prove that I'm capable within for myself and ultimately going against the rebellion. It's, it's an interesting dynamic right now. I think yeah. it's awesome. It's complex. Well, speaking of um, the one in charge on the rebel side, Luthen delivers Cassian to this rebel cell to Vel. Vel doesn't know. He has to convince her that it's a good idea because they've been pre preparing for months for this mission and they're going to inject him with like three days left. This person that they don't know if they can trust. They don't know if he's prepared, if he's competent. Luthen believes he is. He knows everything about Cassian, which makes perfect sense when you think about he's in antiquities. He knows how to get things. He knows how to get information. So that's, that's one of those like smart things where, you know, you'll have like a procedural crime drama or some shit like in the first act of of any um, like superhero movie or any kind of like elite uh, military movie, you know, they bring up the rap sheet of all the stuff that they've done that all the exposition about how powerful this character is, how skilled they are or whatever. And it's like, come on, man, where'd you get that shit? <laughs> like, okay, we get it. This is just what you do, yeah. but it makes sense with this character. He's a person who knows how to get things that sold it for me. So the, I, I guess to tie a bow in the rebel thing, story-wise on this, basically they have a plan. They show him the plan. Here's all the stuff you have to learn overnight. It's happening. Like, get on your shit. There's also something cool where, no, well, two things. One, there's an Imperial mole, a lieutenant, that comes to meet them. Mm -hmm. uh, what, is, what is the facility? It's, um, it, it's an Imperial armory, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was a river that had been dammed. River dam, yeah. And then they were going to use the cover of the festival of the locals that come yes. to watch essentially meteorites, which they then get corrected that they're not just meteorites. There's something connected to the force that goes on. And they're going to use that as the cover to be able to get into the armory and steal the paychecks, <laughs> which I love. Yeah. Speaking of that, do you think, I think his name's Nemec or Nemec. Yeah, Nemec. Do you think he's force sensitive? There's that line where he says, he's committed, I'm feeling that. Yeah, there was definitely a liberal use of the words feeling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That would be tight. I think you have a certain amount of, you're going to have people who are always, I mean, you, you saw him in Rogue One, right? The Guardians of the Wills, it's what Chirrut was. Mm -hmm. You have people who are, who are able to know that history tries to get swept under the rug, but if you really look for it, you can find that there's been a lot of beliefs that have existed long before whatever the occupying force is, right? So mm -hmm. it could be cool to kind of uncover more about that, uh, especially as many people in Jeddah, you know, didn't know it so much as this like, this place that the Jedi once kept sac sacred. It was known as like, yeah. then eventually became like a, you know, imperial mining community and all that kind of stuff. So I would love to see that play out. I think that's awesome. Yeah, even if he's not, a force wielder per se in the martial arts sense. Maybe he's just a kid who was scooped up by the gatherers who that might connect to, you know, a few years from now in what we saw in Kenobi, that part of the rebellion, that little cell. Uh, and then there is the stuff that goes on, the rest of the stuff that goes on in Coruscant with Mon Mothma and Luthen. So it turns out Luthen, his day job is in antiquities, like we talked about. And his whole demeanor is completely different. He has to put on this whole facade. I love that. And when he puts, he puts his clothes back on in the ship, he has to like 
force the smile on. Yeah. Get into character. character. Like I saw him like, he's like almost like waving his hand to be like, do I have my mannerisms down? Am I like, I mean, Stellan's, you're watching, like, I love when they go like deeper and deeper. It's like, you're watching an actor now act as another (laughs) actor. Yeah. Another actor in space. Good range though. Yeah. Stellan. Great actor. So good, man. So then he gets back to his gallery where he's got all the stuff that we'll talk about shortly. And Mon Mothma shows up there to buy a gift for her husband. She does buy a gift, but it's really about a secret meeting between the two of them to check on what's up with the money because she has to get money to pay Cassian and whatever else they're doing. And she also mentions, she says, I found someone who can help me. Hmm. Is it Bail Organa? Have they not at this point officially? <sighs> I don't I'm know. assuming so, right? But here's the thing. There's that deleted scene from Revenge of the Sith where she was in. It's a deleted scene. Is that canon? I don't know. They've met in that scene. So I don't know. Well, they know each other as like... Yeah, I found someone who could help me could go... Like, did she literally just find somebody or did she maybe agree with Bale now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kenobi series is before this. So like Bale's for they sure... They on, on him again for five years. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, do you think it could be somebody else? It could be a character we don't know. It could Jimmy be, Smith's uh, confirmed this, right? He's in this. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but we... Like would, the rumor's strong enough that it's all but confirmed? But you've got to think of that reveal in Rogue One, though, right? Like, yeah. she's standing over the table, Jyn Erso's there, and then Bail Organawa. Like, I'm like, come on, yeah. right? I know. I mean, it makes sense, but I'm just... I'm I'm spitballing here. Is there is there somebody... Could there be somebody else? And I don't want to say Ahsoka, because I don't think it's Ahsoka, but, like, Ahsoka <sighs> aided Rebel Cells. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm just wondering if it's, like, a new character, like, new for the show. Could it be somebody like that? I God, what if it's me. Ahsoka? Oh, my God. Yeah. Never know. No, 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 no. Go there yet. I don't think they'll now do spe- that. Right? Now we're speculating. Now we're speculating. Okay. Okay. Sorry, Think sorry, the maker. Sorry. A speculation do. podcast. <laughs> um, Zach the Maker in the chat, one of the patrons, says it's Baby Cube. Ooh, what's his, what's his character's that. name? Roken. 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 Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it definitely could be, but I think Luthen's connection is to the Partisans. I don't think Mon Mothma has a connection to the Partisans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jason Chiodo in the chat, uh, patron as well, thinks maybe it's an Admiral Akbar. That would be fun. Ooh. That would be sick. I would love that. It's a trap. <laughs> and um, then there's back at Mon Mothma's apartment, which is sick, by the way. Um, I guess you make a lot of money being an Imperial Senator. Opulent. Uh, her husband, who seems like... Like, they've got some stuff to work out <laughs> as a couple. They're, I don't think they're on the same page. He's planned a dinner party and invited several Imperial opponents of hers, people who she says hate her, including, well, we'll, we'll talk about it in the Den of Antiquities, a couple of folks from the Emperor's inner circle. It's bad. She's pissed. Rightfully so. He needs to go. So I, would, I tweeted this. I said, that's probably the most realistic part of this show so far. Have it a party forgetting to tell your spouse and having them come in and be right pissed at you and then <laughs> yeah. being like, Oh, and then like also being like thrown off that they're not immediately stoked. Right. You're like, yeah. Hey, welcome home. You're going to love this party. And then my wife's like the what? And I'm like, come on, I'm having a party with a bunch of people. And she's like, all your friends are coming over. I didn't know about this. I'm pissed. And then me being like, oh, everything doesn't have to be boring. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what he, doesn't he say something like yeah, that? That's the best line. I'm like, that. I don't, I really don't like Perrin Mothma, but he did have the excellent line. Probably my favorite line. What must everything be boring and sad? <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's great. Uh, nice. It's not that she, she didn't know she forgot. Apparently. 
Oh. It was on the calendar, but she forgot because she's busy being a senator. She's busy trying to get into a rebellion. I would never tell my wife that she forgot something. <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> and then the last part where we have the two ISB agents that go to say we have this discrepancy between that's my jurisdiction, that's not my jurisdiction, let's go you know, bring this up to the major. The major literally tells Deidre, they're the Empire's version of like affirmative action. Like he's like, we literally hired more of your people so you don't get spicy with people. Yeah. Like, okay, we hired a woman. See what we did? Thinking they're very proud of themselves <laughs> and that she has to <laughs> act a certain way. But he didn't say that about anybody else. I'm like, this is probably too real. All right, let's get into the Den of Antiquities because it is great. Hey, Nick. What's up, Adam? Where did you get that shirt you're wearing? The one that I like so much with the Star Wars things on it? Oh, this one. This one I get a lot of compliments on. I got this one from Roosevelt's. R-S-V-L-T-S. You know that company. I see them on Instagram all the time. They make great stuff. Shorts, shirts, all the business. Yeah. They have a bunch of great Star Wars designs, obviously. And other franchises like Marvel, WWE, Disney, and many, many more. So many more. They're more known for their button-down shirts, but they also do t-shirts and shorts. And not just for the men but for the women and the children too. Dark. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way they fit. The fabric is super comfortable. Can't stop wearing them. Nice. Well, I'm going to rsvlts.com to make a purchase because I actually don't own anything yet and I've been meaning to buy something. I'm going to use the promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off my first purchase. And you can do the same again at rsvlts.com. I'm talking to you, listener. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER and get 20% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Over a thousand generations. It is the dark side. Oh gosh. It's a Kalikori. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Nick, take us into Luthen's antique gallery. Yeah. Let's just start off our den of antiquities by saying Luthen has a den of antiquities. Uh, Mimban was mentioned, planet where Han met Chewie and Solo. The swamp planet. Whole planet's a swamp, apparently. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely uh, something interesting there timing-wise where if Cassian was on Mimban when he says he was, Han was there for sure. And oh, yeah. if Cassian was a cook, Han, maybe, maybe Cassian gave some uh, slop, some gruel to, uh, to Han. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they would have connected or they would have they given each other dirty looks actually yeah. and gone the other way. Yeah. Uh, super, super interesting. Love this little line. I mean, this, this episode in particular just has so many planetary, like so many planetary Easter eggs, but the ISB meeting mentioned Scarif with a quick line, just saying there's an increase in construction shipments to that whole sector, which has Scarif. I want to say, uh, Camino, I think is in there. Like there's, Mm. there's a lot of stuff going to that, that area of the galaxy for sure. But Increase in construction shipments. Hmm. Wonder what for, Death Star. <laughs> but what what's interesting about that, though, is like the fact that they said that so vaguely. 
shows that construction is, that's all they're leaking out. They're not saying it's going to build a comm tower that's going to oh, deliver. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So I think it's it's interesting to show that like the Empire, even the ISB doesn't totally trust itself. Like they're yeah. hyper aware that there could be cracks Well, isn't anywhere. there, the Death Star is like really privy info, right? Like most of the Empire doesn't know that it's being built and and they probably don't even know. You know, I mean, right. they definitely don't know. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, it, but like I said, it's like you can see how cautious mm-hmm. and concerned and almost just a general sense of distrust on both Paranoid. sides of the operation. Well, isn't there something too? I'm thinking about this now. Isn't, doesn't Thrawn, because of his like tie defender program, come across the fact that something else like money's going somewhere else because the tie right. defender yes. program isn't? Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. it is a secret that's like pretty high up and like someone yeah. as, as, smart as Thrawn figures it out, but like it's not privy info or it is privy. It also doesn't even have to be the Death Star though at this Mm -hmm. point, because building that comm tower that has like the, the Imperial servers in it, basically Mm -hmm. the the data archive would be just as top secret. That's true. Right. Cause it's holding all the files with the top secret shit in them. So Uh, also in this ISB meeting, uh, there's a mention of a conflict on Arvala six, which might sound familiar. Never seen it, but we've seen Arvala seven. It's the planet where Din Djarin found Grogu in The Mandalorian Season 1. Cute alert. (laughs) The last mention of a planet in the ISB meeting mentions Ryloth. And uh, the quote is, with the next quarter's detention estimates expected to increase across the Ryloth Ryloth sector, any further erosion in local authority may require an increase in our backline budget and increased surveillance. So, I mean, we all know Ryloth and the Sindulas. I mean... Well, at this point... I, I looked this up earlier. It was 14 BBY mm-hmm. that the ball started rolling with the free Ryloth movement. So mm-hmm. by this point, it's like they're having to arrest so many people. They're putting so many people in prison to try to clamp down on this uprising that they have to send more money there to build more jails and prisons, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And around this time, the free Ryloth movement had been growing and f- finally kind of coming to a head. Two years later, actually, in 3 BBY, that's when the stuff in Rebels happens. When the Empire bombs the living hell out of, I don't remember specifically what happens, but they, they just do this like bombing campaign mm-hmm. to try to defeat the uprising. And then that's where the Rebels crew shows up. Season 3, Episode 4 and 5, Homecoming and Hera's Heroes, where she reunites with her dad, Shamsundula, and all of this ends in defeating the Empire and then eventually in 5 ABY, which is right around the time of the Battle of Endor, Imperial forces completely abandoned all their bases on Ryloth, you know, then came the New Republic and so on. So this is like, I mean, we're right there parallel with everything happening in Rebels right now. And it's so tight. Yeah, there, there's definitely some some uh, weaving they need to do. But I, I have faith with the real like precision storytelling we've seen in four episodes so far that obviously they know what they're doing and they know that there's Mm -hmm. other things in the galaxy going on right now. Moving on, Luthen's ship jumps to light speed, very familiar looking. And uh, Cassian kind of seemed shocked and asked what was powering that. And he said he's been on a Fondor Hallcraft before. I've flown them, never seen one do that. And there definitely is a there's there's almost like a 2001 kind of voice in the ship, mm-hmm. the droid brain built into the ship. And on the captions, it says it's a mod. It says like Fondor droid mod or something like that. So that's definitely uh, something that they that Luthen added to the ship. So more more reminiscence of the Falcon, where like the mm-hmm. Falcon was a, a freighter just made to push 
like a semi truck, like an 18 wheeler, this being a haul craft also. Yeah. It's like, why the hell does a semi trailer go to light speed? Yeah. You know, it's the same kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels a lot like the Falcon and that's really, really comforting. I love it. It's like it is, but it isn't. Yep. Luthen offers Cassian some Mednog and I mean, put two and two together. Cassian's a little hurt and then he offers him a drink with the three first letters are M-E-D, Med. But in the first three episodes, wasn't there something called Revnog? R-E-V-Nog? Yeah. We're getting new liquids in Star Wars. New drinks. It's like, uh, it's like cannabis, you know? Yeah. It's like you got medicinal or recreational. Yeah. Well, that's a Revnog. I was like reverse, you know, you drink, you become dumb. Or revved like, up. Yeah, or revved up. Could be, yeah. Either way, we're getting eggnogs in, in Star Wars. It's for all the Easter eggs. They don't know what to do with the extra Easter eggs. <laughs> Christmas joke. Next up on the list, Luthen gives Cassian a little collateral, a Kawadi signet made of blue kyber, a sky stone from the ancient world, he says. And it celebrates the uprising against the Rakatan invaders. This is a deep cut. So that references the Knights of the Old Republic. Rakatan were a force-sensitive race who invaded the galaxy and were only stopped when they encountered the early Jedi on the planet of Tython which we found in Mandalorian season two. Nice. Also, Kuat, the planet, uh, the Kuati signet, he, he calls it. Kuat was an imperial shipyard in, I can't remember what it was in. It's really familiar sounding though. Mm. It's not Fallen Order, right? The Kuat shipyards? Or is it an original trilogy thing? Um, I don't know. All I, I know see. that Ku, uh, Kuats are pants that Barb and Star wear when they go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> yeah. Kuats. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, they mention it in uh, Battlefront 2, but um, Battlefront in the Battlefront books and in Aftermath. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Carry on. Uh, when speaking about uh, the Rebel Cell, Saul Guerrero gets a mention. So we know he's going to be in the series eventually. But he's coming. They're, they're starting to plant those seeds for sure. So this was sent to me actually on Instagram not too long ago from a New Hope workshop. The transport ship in like the spaceport that Karn is walking through uh, was originally seen in the concept art for Solo. Pretty cool. Good pickup there. Nice ship. There's a lot of things that this show does that seem really like kind of like mundane earthly things. Like he's just walking through an airport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, of course, spaceports slash airports exist, and and here's one. You're, we're seeing we're seeing one in Star Wars right now. Also, yeah. is that is that Coruscant that um, it seems like Cyril goes? Back I was to? thinking about that. Yeah, because when he gets in that elevator and he types in and he goes, I don't know, he goes down for some reason. I was like, oh, he's yeah. on like the top level of Coruscant and goes down, but uh, I guess they didn't really say that. Speaking of Cyril, though, he got. Fully canned. They shut down the whole Ferrix corporate security bureau or whatever it is. Full imperial control now. And they sent him home. You're done. You're out of here. Yeah. So we wouldn't be spending that time with him if something big wasn't coming for him. For sure. You know, that, that's, not, that's not just like, let's wrap up this little guy's story. Like, yeah. he's got stuff coming. I was on Dano's show last night and I was just, I was like, listen, I'm not betting a million bucks on this. And I texted you guys this a couple nights ago. If you go back and watch episodes one through three and in your head say Cyril Karn is a rebel spy, you will notice a lot of things. You will notice no less than four or five things where you're like, oh, he's a rebel spy. We'll see. I'm not betting all my money on it. I'm just saying it's possible. I don't know if I can get fully on board with him being a rebel spy now, but Mm -hmm. it's like... Turning, maybe. Someone who's trying to find his place 
thinks he's doing the right thing ultimately gets dismissed, just cast away like trash mm-hmm. by the people he was serving. He's a good candidate for a turn. Yeah. So I'm with you there. But we don't speculate. <laughs> also too real to be slapped by your seemingly Italian mother and then immediately brought back <laughs> inside to be like, you haven't eaten enough, come in and eat. Um, <laughs> yeah. Too real. I'm not just saying that because maybe I've lived that life, but I totally get it. So I got too real. One thing I like too, this is a little bit of an Easter egg just to earlier in the series when Luthen asks him to make up a name, he chooses the name Clem, which is his stepfather, stepdad, stepdaddy. Right. There's something about, I'm not sure if this is like totally done on purpose, but when Vel is saying that there's seven of them going up against a garrison, Cassian exclaims, seven against the garrison? And there was something super similar. In Rogue One, he says, make 10 men feel like 100. Yeah. So I feel like he's about to learn that lesson of like how to take on a bigger occupying force with like a small little band of rebels and, and kind of gain confidence. And he tells them, I believe he tells in Rogue One, I think he says at the gym where he says, make 10 men feel like a hundred. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. This whole shows the progression from scared little street rat to the Cassian we know in Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed for sure back uh, with the rebel cell with, with Cassian and Vel, I almost heard it first was the speeder. I was like, oh, that's the same sound design as the speeder. And then when it pulled up, it looked pretty similar to the model that, you know, they used on Endor. It's got to be. If not, yeah. it's very, very close. Because mm-hmm. it's the same one they use on like, uh, you know, in, in Mando that the mm-hmm. troopers are on. It's kind of yeah. like the, the, the Imperial issue model, I would, I would mm-hmm. think. Speaking of Mandalorian, the cut and stitching on the uh, Imperial Mole's poncho seemed very Mandalorian. Yeah. All that stuff that they borrowed. It, it, it'll be so sick in Mandalorian season three to see mm-hmm. maybe they'll get some flashbacks, maybe some history of how, you know, even some conversation talking about how much the empire stole from Mandalore, even going back to the Republic. Yeah. Okay. So the guests at Mon Mothma's dinner party that her own husband invited pretty big deal here. <laughs> Slymore and ours Dangor. Uh, so Slymore was uh, kind of like the hand of Palpatine. She was force sensitive. Like she's, not a good person, for sure. <laughs> She's the bald one with the giant collar. Mm-hmm. You'll see her walking around. Her, her eyes look kind of dead and white, just tiny little pupils and mm-hmm. kind of creepy looking. Yeah. And then Ars Dangor was never seen on screen, right? Just mentioned here and there. And there's like one mention of him in something that kind of canonizes him. Supposedly, he was one of the left out characters from Return of the Jedi, who has this strange like Teletubby penis hat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there is a good uh, kind of synopsis of who he is on Wikipedia that drop, name drops somebody very interesting. So here's this is from Wikipedia. It says, Ars Dangor was a male human bureaucrat who during the Clone Wars accompanied Janus Grijatus, Slymore, Sate Pestage, and Lieutenant Commander Orson Krennic to Geonosis to oversee Poggle the Lesser's homecoming. Mm. So there's a Krennic connection there. Yeah. Pretty cool. Big old club of assholes. <laughs> All right, and last to wrap up the Den of Antiquities here, Nick, hit him with the list from Luthen's Gallery because it is sick. Boy, oh boy. Just a couple of things that we could pick up. Uh, Mandalorian armor, for sure. There's a Calicori. Sweet. There's a Gungan shield. An Utapauan monk cudgel, which he, he actually picks up and offers first to Mon Mothma. Uh, there's some sort of dagger. Uh, Salporin. The Wookiee's helmet. Good pick up on that, Mike. Oh, from episode three? 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's got like the chainmail kind of almost, mm-hmm. or, or like dragon. Yep, exactly. You know what I mean? Some sort of horn. Yeah, yeah. It's the, got the green jewel in the middle of his. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of horn on a shelf there. What is that horn? I don't know. I, I, I typed horn question mark because anyone, was it like Ewok village horn style? Mm. Maybe a, not a tauntaun something. I don't know, but it's, it's like gold plated. Yeah. It's got to be something pretty regal or, some, you know, something rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure we'll. F- figure it out could be from a clone wars planet that they were on for an arc or something like yeah. that um star killer helmet and armor people are definitely freaking out about that that's definitely yeah. a very very awesome nod sith stalker armor yeah. technically yeah jedi and sith holocrons also very cool i love how those in are, the back, those seemed, yeah yeah those seem so like when you see them on screen because there was one in dryden boss's uh yacht too it's like yep. those are like we as viewers know how like powerful and insane those are, and then they're just like sitting on a shelf next to a horn. Yeah, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> then one thing I noticed right away was when Mothma and Luthen were kind of in the back of his shop. There's a bunch of stuff in carbonite behind them, so I'm like, that's cool, carbonite. And then, <laughs> then <laughs> debatable, but maybe not that debatable. I think it looks like the first one is a whip. The second one is some sort of head. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the going guess right now is that that's Indiana Jones Easter eggs. A whip. Yeah. Quite possibly the idol is the second one. All right. We, we were also debating are the Sanskara stones from Temple of Doom up on his shelf. Next to the holocrons. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, but the third carbonite thing also has some round things in it. So those could also be the stones. I'm not, I'm not sure. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. It's it's what a, a lot. It's fun. Those are fun. I feel like that also makes Earth canon, which I Oh don't dude, like Earth that. is canon. <laughs> I, I stand by this fully. Yeah. ET was on Earth. ET is in yeah. Star Wars. Oh yeah, true, true, true. Yep. Also, the idol was in Dryden Bosses, right? There was something from Indiana Jones in Dryden Bosses yep. too. So. It was the Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull. Oh, that's yeah, that's was. right. Yep. Yep. And then the thing, what is this called that you sent, Mike, uh, next to Jabba? Oh, like I, I think it looks like his uh, his his patty sipper from Galaxy's Edge, uh, which is the uh, his frog storage in case he needs to grab yeah. a snack. Yeah, and it's got like that. Um, what do you call the thing? It's the, got like a hookah thing hookah. on top of it, right? The hookah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the biggest and then one. The last one, Nick. The last Bro. one. Yeah. Slightly important. The biggest one again, just sitting on a shelf. Mortis Godstone tablets just sitting on on a wall, <laughs> and they're just walking by him. Dude, like My no goodness. one has any clue. Yeah. This dude knows they're valuable. But, yeah. but so timeline wise, I really want to look at the timeline with rebels and do the math because when all that, that whole structure crumbled, you know, the walls that w- with the murals on them, mm-hmm. they would have rounded things up and he got a hold of this. So I didn't realize that was that far back in rebels. I thought that was much closer. Well, they could have been from a different temple. I mean, you know, you have true, the, true. the concept of of the world between worlds and all of that could have been from other places. You know who would probably explain it to Luthen? Uh, probably Ahsoka, like you said at the middle of the conversation. Mm. Wow. Mm, wow. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we don't speculate here. We don't. We speculate and then we say we don't. <laughs> yeah, we say we don't so we can claim we don't. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's start heading out here. I love you. I know. Favorite scenes, favorite moments, and so on. Nick, you want to read a couple from the patrons here? 
Zach the Maker gave us quite a few. You know, Pat Merton has some here. Zach the Maker said his favorite scene is Luthen taking Mon Mothman to the back and switching his character on a dime. Those acting chops. I love that. Both for Selen, Sarsgaard, and Luthen. <laughs> it's like Inception. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brian's also loving just walking through the shop with all the Easter eggs. Pat Merton has a good, interesting a take on this, like the tension of Mon Mothma coming and Luthen being someone who seemingly is her inferior, but really maybe in the Alliance, he's her superior at that point. Pretty interesting. Or at least like a different angle, kind mm-hmm. of the way she's more passive yeah. doing like the the covert yeah. political stuff where he's he maybe he's somewhere between her and Saw Gerrera. Yeah, and she she also says something to the effect of like I have a lot I have way more to lose than you, you know. Right. So I mean she's in the Imperial Senate right now. It's yeah. not it's not the Republic Senate. It's the Imperial Senate where it, it just seems like they're they're very paranoid. You know, which is a, a, a great like Nazi Germany kind of parallel there. Like there's a lot of paranoia, which is why the ISB even seems to exist. Right. Kind of squash all these things. And part of that is being paranoid, but also at the same time being not going with your gut. Because Deidre is kind of, she's she's offering up info, but also basing it on a feeling a little bit. And her commander is like, no, we vet our info and we act on vetted info. So right. there, there's very, very much so uh, a standard to be upheld by the ISB. All right, Mike, how about you? Favorite moment, favorite scene? Yeah, so I kind of joked about it, of course, at the top of the hour. But like, I really, what I'm starting to love about this show is that we're, like I said, it's like The Wire. The Wire is one of my favorite shows because you end up rooting for the characters that are oftentimes crappy people because they make the most compelling TV, right? You end up rooting for success for these characters, right? You want to see Stringer Bell end up you know, getting a win. You want to see all of the other people uh, just get their goal, whatever that is. So I love that we're starting to set this up because everyone is going for something. They're doing something. They're looking to win a battle, whatever that might be. And I feel like we're really starting to see where this is all going. Um, but I continue to I continue to say the the writing is top tier. You don't need to be a Star Wars fan to enjoy a great show of espionage. The tension is like incredible here. I mean, just even Mon Mothma not trusting she has a new driver. Why? Why does she have a new driver? I'm like, oh my god, this is yeah, this is crazy. Uh, just the sense and like she sits down in the back seat and just immediately like undoes her clutch and is like, oh, this is getting to me. So you really start to see like the sense of that a the Imperials are not complete idiots and b the rebellion was earned. It was not just yeah. we've always been here and eventually we'll meet up. It's like you can really see what is the slow burn in the beginning of Saw Guerrera's let's earn it through blood and then Mon Mothma's let's earn it through a long, 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 long time of distrust and learning secrets and being how you know figuring out how to do this. So I, I love that we're seeing this. I think this was a very, very, very strong episode. Uh, not having as much action, but for fans, yeah. people who enjoy great TV. This was, this might've been one of the best episodes for sure. Yeah. Do you have a specific favorite moment? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I think the, I think for me, the sense of looking into the ISB is really cool because you got this, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I love, I'm, I'm looking around, of course, me, you know, me, I'm looking at, okay, we have new gray Imperial officers. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Now it used to be mm-hmm. just green and black and white. Well, now we got gray. Um, so I'm loving 
seeing Coruscant. I'm loving seeing the inner workings of the Empire. Uh, and I'm just loving the art direction. Like, I don't know if I have a favorite yeah. moment specifically in this, but like the art direction of the show, the costumes, everything, even on the partisans, seeing how they're reusing assets from mm -hmm. the Rogue One era. I'm like, give yeah. me all of that. So there's one thing cool. I know this is your, uh, Mike, I feel like you're going to love this part. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is your section right now, but I love how even through the first three episodes, this show is colorful and all of the colors are muted. And I, in my head, I was like, that's an absolute like metaphor for the light in the galaxy, you know, like yeah. being yeah. muted right now. It's like this show is colorful and there is color there. And they're in the show, in the galaxy, there is light but it's all being pushed down right now. And I was like, oh yeah, man, nice. that is great. And especially, I think all of the details, all of the rank bars that the officers were wearing, I think they all had the same among them, which is mm. just that two blue dot or the two blue yeah. rank bar. Two or three, yeah. Yeah, so I love that. I love that none of them were like these, you know, these super decorated captains or super decorated generals. It was like really cool to see. So I would say that's probably like my favorite, but all in all, I mean, this episode impressed the hell out of me and... I need it to be one week from now immediately. <laughs> Nick, how about you? What's your favorite? Uh, it's really, it's so hard to like almost differentiate the scenes of this because it, it all has a very similar, like, uh, I don't know, focus. And it, I want to say the shop is my favorite part. I think I'm just going to go with that. Just the whole, more so the back of the shop talk. Yeah, where yeah. Where Mon Mothma is just like, really lays down the stakes at that point of what's going on with her. And... She's she's definitely vigilant, you know? She's not saying, like, I, I think we should stop, but she's saying, they're watching me, and it's getting harder and harder. Right. And uh, I do also like there, there was something about it's just harder to move the money. You know, it's like the money's there, but it's hard right. to move the money. So they're getting the, the the financing they need. However, however they're doing it, I mean, they're literally about to go on this <laughs> on this uh, heist of an uh, entire payroll account. So yeah, that's really interesting. I, I really, I, I dig that everything in the back, more so than the Easter eggs. I just love that Luthen and Mon Mothma, just this like back of the shop dealing and really what that's the sowing the seeds of everything that's coming after Rogue One, the yeah. New Hope, all of this stuff. It's like it all starts and all continues in backs of shops and, and little seven person sex, rebel sects on, on, on planets. Right. It's, it's so cool. I think my favorite scene might be within the first 10 minutes, the conversation where Luthen convinces Cassian to do the mission, not to join the rebellion yet, per se, because he's still on the fence. You still see him when they're down on Aldani meeting Vel. He looks at the stick for a second, like, I, I might just, I, I can still bail, maybe, you know? So he's not quite joining the rebellion, but that conversation pushes him in the right direction. And it's, it's just, there are like so many layers. It's so quotable. And our quote of the week is actually from that. I just... I love how how sophisticated it is in its exposition about the characters, about the rebellion, about the stakes of the whole show. It's just like brilliant writing. And it's funny, it's funny that we're both talking about conversations being like our, our favorite yeah, stuff totally. in the whole thing. Yeah. But you know, this show in a universe, it's all about adventure and space pirates and stuff. We're talking about conversations in back rooms. But that's yeah. really what did it for me. It was that one for sure. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a good point. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on here that's like, it's almost like this kind of complex feeling of, yes, I'm watching Star Wars, but you kind of mentioned it before. It's this Star Wars that we all, we're all grown up now, not all of us, obviously, but like we're, we're of the older 
kind of almost original generation. And this is stuff that we can handle. This is stuff that we know existed. And it's so great to see it finally, because what we've been handed is, you know, in the best way possible is prequel, sequel, all the Mandalorian universe stuff. Like that's all more in line with George. And this isn't, but it's very Star Wars. It's something we knew we wanted and we're finally getting it. Yeah, It's, It's such a good vibe. It's so cool. All right, let's wrap up here. Mike, what do you have going on? Where can you be found on social media? Well, you can find me at Honda Supply on Instagram, but most importantly, on Thank the Maker Network, you can find me hosting Armor Party Podcast, which is a show all about Star Wars costuming from both the fans who do it and some of the people who have been on the show. I'm not going to say anything just in case it doesn't happen, but if you're listening to this right now, there's a very, very, very good chance you want to tune in on Tuesday because no matter who I have on, it's going to be great. But I have this one person that I think you're going to recognize that's very important. That's all I'll say. Tune in on Tuesday. You can find us there. We're on the Thank the Maker Network. Armor Party Show on Instagram. And I'm approaching October for my Boba Fett build. So I'm, I was freaking out in the beginning of September, but I'm 100% freaking out now. Uh, <laughs> so I look forward to the end of the month. and. Let's just keep building. Every time I see an episode, I get distracted. I'm like, no, no, wait. I got to focus on this 50-year-old character. Let me focus on that first. But every time I see this this show, I'm like, do I need a new officer? Maybe. Yeah, so, yeah luckily you don't sew. Yeah, that's right. Exactly, exactly. All right. Nick, what do you have coming up? Uh, not a whole lot until, uh, I want to say, October 9th, besides playing the Aftershock Festival in Sacramento. And uh, other than that, just follow me on social media. You know, all about my children's book called That's Okay. That's out right now. And uh, I'm just hanging out on the internet. Come hang out with me. I don't have anything coming up with the band for a couple weeks, but we did just drop some new Halloween merch, some new story of the year Halloween merch that is dope. Spooky. I love it. So good. We got like an old horror movie poster kind of vibe one and then another sort of like just creepy Ouija board thing or something. It's sick. Storyoftheyearmerch.com is where you can go to get that. My personal stuff is all at Adam the Skull on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow this podcast on social media, we are at Thank the Maker Pod on Instagram and TikTok. We're at Thank the Maker on Twitter. Patreon.com slash Thank the Maker Pod is where you can go to support this podcast. We really appreciate it. Truly, it's the only reason this podcast still exists. And it's thanks to folks like the patrons in the chat right here at the Jedi Council tier that make the magic happen. There's no magic. It's the force. Let's be honest. And also, thankthemakermerch.com is back up, right? Officially? Sure is. So go there. We have some old designs. We have some new designs coming. And we have some Mosh Eisley merch coming too. You'll go there for all of it. It's good stuff. Good looking blouses. And some other things. We got a fanny pack. Coffee mug. Maybe we'll get some socks. (laughs) Some capes. We'll see. Also, Mosh Eisley tickets are still on sale. Less than a month to go. Actually, exactly one month at the time of this recording until Mosh Eisley. It's in Las Vegas at a venue called Backstage Bar and Billiards, Star Wars-themed Halloween emo night, the second weekend of When We Were Young, the biggest emo festival of all time. We're going to be there having way too much nog, (laughs) and hopefully you'll you'll be there with us. Get tickets. They're going fast. Nick, you want to send us out with a quote? Yes, this was also Stacy, one of our patrons, her favorite quote. But you're right about one thing. The Empire had you fighting each other which should make you hate them all the more, and you do. I said I know you. I know the outside. I know what people tell me when I ask. The rest I imagine. I imagine your hate. I imagine that no matter what you tell me or you tell yourself, you'll ultimately die fighting these bastards. 
So what I'm asking you is this. Wouldn't you rather give it all at once to something real than carve off useless pieces till there's nothing left? And that's all Luthen talking to Cassian. That's that scene. It's great. All right, patrons, thanks again for being here. Dudes, thanks for hanging. Everyone, thank you for listening. And until next week, may the force be with you. 